No disintegration. As you wish. You are alone. I have two droids. We've come in search of a ship that crashed near here. Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is back from the dead, assholes! You got a problem with that? My name's Boba. I'll need a squadron of stormtroopers. They won't be coming back. This doesn't concern you, Jedi. Just walk away. How did you fall in? What? Fell in? <laughs> Volunteered? More like it. You should have seen it. You would have dug it the most. I'm You are listening to the Book of Boba Talk with Brenton and William under I Hate Small Talk Podcast. I did it! Hello there, we're back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Book of Boba Talk. I am William, and not long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, I was joined by Brenton for the Bad Bash Talk, and now we're here, rejoined for the Book of Boba Talk. How are you, old son? Really well, mate. I'm I'm excited to be back. Oh, how could you not? I know. I, I I'm excited to talk about Boba Fett. I have to admit, I'm more excited probably sitting here doing these talks than actually watching the show. How about that? Fair enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do like talking about it, and um, but we'll get into that later. All right. So what yeah. what is new? What is going on? What are we doing? All right, guys. So basically, what we're doing here. We're jumping into uh, the book of Boba Fett. We're going to be breaking down each each episode over the over the course of the season, throwing out our theories along the way, and just having a good old chat about all the awesome stuff that we that we're now basically seeing per, per episode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sweet. So we did see at the end of uh, Mandalorian, or well, actually, let's talk a little bit about Mandalorian. Obviously, Boba Fett came back in the Mandalorian. I think that was a surprise to a lot of people. But there was definitely a scene at the end there that set up this series, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, definitely. So how about we get a breakdown of that a little bit, just what what, what happened there? Rightio. So uh, The Mandalorian Season 2 ended uh, with the post credit scene that's set up for the future of the uh, of the galaxy's other favourite bounty hunter in a new show called The Book of Boba Fett. So Jabba's major domo, the Twi'lek Bibba Fortuna, took over the uh, basically the running of the palace um, after Jabba's death, uh, his reign ends quickly after Fennec Shand, the assassin and the gun for hire, played by Ming Na Wen. My, uh, um, hang on, she's 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 bloody sixty, man. Bro, I oh, know, way. Eh? She's she's looking good for her age, yeah. and she's been in so much stuff. Yeah. Um, he's a he's a yeah. Sorry, his reign ends quickly after Fennec Shand, the uh, the assassin and gun for hire, played by Ming Na Wen, who first appeared in the Mandalorian season one, has now returned as an ally of Boba Fett in season two. She enters the palace and shoots up all of Bib Fortuna's guards uh, before f- uh, freeing a Twi'lek slave girl. Bib unconvincingly blasts uh, that he has thought Boba was dead, and then you know Boba proceeds to kill him. The one-time bounty hunter then takes his place on Jabba's old throne with Fennec by his side, thus beginning the story, the epic story, the book of Boba Fett. I don't know about epic. <laughs> oh, come on, bro. Anything to do with Boba Fett's epic. Yeah, it, it's okay. <laughs> um, it's, fine. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, Boba goes back to Jabba's palace and he, he takes over. I got a few little, you know, qualmy things about like 
especially comparing what happened in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi of how badass Boba was and now uh, <laughs> brutally murder, murdering Bib Fortuna, but then also coming back and saying, hey, I think I want to rule with respect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of forced his like, way into that. <laughs> well, I think, I think it kind of, um, it throws us off uh, balance a little bit. It's like, oh, is this Boba Fett that we know? Like this really cruel, cold, calculating badass, you know, that the, the world, the galaxy fears. Um, and, the, you know, to see this sort of uh, change side of him. Mm. But as we, as we come to know, I think a lot of it's got to do with us uh, imagining what we thought Boba Fett really was, because we only obviously have only seen what how he's presented in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Yep. Uh, and I got a feeling it's a, a lot of it's less us just thinking that he's a really badass, brutal motherfucker. Now, yeah. unfortunately, there is evidence of that because w- when Vader says to him, "No disintegrations," he's like, "Ugh!" Like. Obviously, he's got a, a reputation there for being a, a real yep. badass yeah, you know, yeah. killer. As you wish. Yeah, so there is a little bit of disconnect there for me because I guess it is, there is the proof there that he is he is a certain way. Now we're getting shown something else. Look, but, at, look at Din Djarin, just cruising around disintegrating people left, right and centre. Well, yeah, he, yes. Yeah, Jawas especially. Zero, <laughs> oh, bro. Let's, just, let's face it, no one likes Jawas. Yeah, nobody likes Jawas. Horrible, nasty little filthy creatures. sand creatures. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, how about I do a bit of a plot summary for the first episode? We'll, yep. We'll, yep. Let's get into it. We'll, we'll, we'll walk through it and talk about a few things as we go. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like my f- first initial thoughts, though, is that I enjoyed it. It was fun, but that doesn't mean that it's it's perfect. I don't think anything's ever perfect. Oh, there's some things, but they're rare and far between. Usually they. Start with episode three. <laughs> <laughs> episode, episode three is always perfect. So we'll, we'll see next week when episode three comes out. Because we are covering, I should say, we are covering episode one and two here in one hit. Unfortunately, with Disney now releasing these on a Wednesday night, we don't get the opportunity to probably do these as, as often as we want. Because uh, Wednesday night used to be our night for recording. It was. We would watch it on a Friday night and then have the weekend to digest it and then come together on a Wednesday and spit it all back out again. But they've, yeah. s- they've stuffed that up for us. Thanks, Disney. Good on you, Disney. Yeah, good one. Bloody hell. Get your shit together. Get your shit together. Get it all together and put it in a bag. Yeah, and then get it ready for us so we can make our lives easier. I don't care if you, you put it in a ship museum or even stick it on a ship mountain. Just get all your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kidoki. So this episode opens with a little bit of a landscape shot of the surroundings of the late Jabba's palace on Tatooine because we've obviously we know that Bob has been in there and he put a bullet through or a laser bullet through uh, Bib. And just for everyone, we're in Moss Espa, not Moss Eisley. Uh, we will be, yeah. Is I don't know, is Jabba's palace, does it include it in the Moss, Be- Moss Espa region? Like where is it? Where is it in yeah. Tatooine? I'm pretty sure that's that's it. Okay. So we first see our little friend Boba Fett. He's submerged in a big old Bacta tank. And inside that Bacta tank, he has a flash Bacta. Oh. oh. Don't worry, that's getting around. Lots of people are saying that. <laughs> uh, he, he experiences flashbacks of, of uh, we go back to Camino. Uh, we see uh, Tupoka City, uh, followed by a grieving Boba. And uh, we see him cradling his, his, the helmet of his, of his father. The headless helmet. The headless helmet. Uh, and that's on the arena in Genosis where they all the Jedi come together and, and cut up all the other dudes. 
Uh, there's a little bit of extra footage in there where we see Bobber's reflection in the T-visor. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. In another flashback, we see Fett uh, struggling within the digestive system of the Sarlacc. And, of course, in Return of the Jedi, we see uh, young Boba Fetto uh, get hit by a stick and his backpack goes out of control and he flies into the old Sarlacc. Now, inside the Sarlacc, he's doing a bit of struggling, but he sees the remains of a stormtrooper. That stormtrooper has been there a while. And in the words of 3PO... In his belly, you will find a new definition of pain and suffering as you are slowly digested over a thousand years. Uh, he looks like he's he's well and truly starting to dissolve, and he, it's almost like he's getting like absorbed into the body. Well, I think what happens is it, it absorbs into the wall yeah. of the thing, and it basically just slowly um, digests, slowly just basically disintegrates. I'd say I'd say yeah. it slowly slowly takes all the nutrients and stuff out of the body and just incorporates it into just like food in our body. Pretty much exactly like that. We are Sarlax. Yeah. We well, are big old non sandy Sarlax. Yeah, well you see all the, the green acidy melting on the stormtroopers yeah, white white plastoid armor, but I can imagine Sarlax would be getting uh, a lot of indigestion from that Beskar alloy. <laughs> Could be. Well stormtroopers don't have Beskar though, do they? No, they do not. No. It's plastoid. Fett makes his way to the stormtrooper and rips out a little oxygen uh, tubey tube from his helmet, and he starts punching that into his own helmet so he can get a little bit of oxygen back into his his body. This uh, bit ac- that bit actually gets my brain wondering with the whole helmet seal kind of stuff. Seeing like you see the helmet come off all the time, and there's all that always that space that goes around the bottom of the helmet that there's nothing there to actually seal it to. Yeah, it's it's the, one of those magical seals that is never explained, and it, you get you yeah. get that sound effect. Yeah, the helmet sealing noise oh. on and off. I'll put that in in post. So this is right before we see him punch a hole in the Sarlacc's gut and there's all the slime and visceral crap that he goes through. He then fires his wrist-mounted flamethrower and burns a little bit of the, the creature. You see him, you hear all the noises from the Return of the Jedi of the creature screaming and stuff. Uh, Fett climbs out of the Sarlacc onto the sands of the Great Pit of Carcoon, uh, which is littered with the uh, wreckage of Jabba's sail barge. The, did, you know the, did, you know, did you know it had a name? Yeah. What is it? I can't remember the name, but I knew it had a name. Yeah, it's 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 a funny name because it, we've heard it before in the Star Wars mythos, but it's spelt slightly different. But it's Katana, Katana, um, which is funny because the Katana fleet is is from the EU. Yeah, but it is spelt differently. It's uh, K E H. Yeah, sorry, K H E T A N N A. And all those Katana. other small little craft are just normal skiffs. Yeah, they're just skiffs. They're the with the dog people that like the. Do things with Jabba. Now, <laughs> dog people. They are dog people. I can't remember the name of them. Clatonians? No, that's not them. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm right. So, I don't know if you noticed, but there's no special uh, edition beak on the big old sand vagina. Yeah, I was saying that. They didn't, I, they didn't include that. But yeah, well, you never know. Maybe Zarlacc is, is dead or something, or it's really injured and it's just retracted its beak back down the hole. <laughs> but actually, it's like, a, it's like, well, think of it, it's like a squid or something, you know, how it got this little orifice and all of a sudden you know it's yeah. hungry and all of a sudden this thing protrudes out this big gaping beak um but as you see at the start of um that scene there in return of the jedi you just see the hole and then it wasn't until kind of all the action starts happening no one people's around that the beak actually protrudes up out of the hole yeah right yeah yeah good boy. all right so we see fett make his way out of the pit punch his way through the sand and then later that night he is discovered by a party of dirty filthy jawas uh, they strip the armor from his body. They take his jetpack. They do all the nasty things and leave him in the desert. 
uh, without a blaster. Oh, does he have a blaster? No, he's no, he doesn't have a blaster. So they take everything. Well, Luke chopped up his blaster. Oh, that's right. It's chopped in half. A somewhere. (laughs) So there's two parts of his blaster somewhere. He probably could have found them. That would have been a nice little nod. Yeah. Okay, they they bugger off in their sand crawler. And then, um, yeah, God knows what. I guess at some point our friend... Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth finds the armour and off he goes on his merry way. Well, he he hitched a ride with those dirty little sand buggers. Yeah. And the following day, a group of Tuscan raiders stumble upon the unconscious body of Boba Fett. Uh, one of them <coughs> turns him over with their Gaddafi stick, basically take him as a slave, right? Yeah, they put him into a life of servitude. They, they capture him for some reason. So they bind his hands with a bit of rope. They drag him behind the Banthers. It's like full country western style, eh, which is what I like. Because um, how many country westerns do you see uh, a prisoner getting dragged through like the rocky right. deserts, you know. But then it's like, oh, I just, I, I, I've given up walking and they're just like, I'm just going to take it. And they just fall on their back and then they just get dragged for like. I actually said while I was watching it, I said, I wouldn't even walk. I would just fall on the ground and just drag myself. Well, he's got a pretty well-made flight suit. So, yeah. you know, he, he could just get dragged. But I tell you what, if you're just like a normal dude and you're wearing, a sh- you know, a, sh- a top or some form of pants, You'd hate to be rolling on your belly, man, because imagine, I'm sure you'd get like some severe, you know, damage to um, mm-hmm. to your, your nether regions and then you get a, a pan, oh, you get your pants full of like <laughs> dune sea sand. Bloody earth. It's all, it's always a bit coarse and nasty and it gets everywhere. <laughs> it's coarse and it's nasty. We see Boba Fett, he awakens that night and he is stuck to a pole with a Rodian. Uh, the two watching here by fire, where there sits a couple of, oh, maybe it's one. It's the massive. I think it's uh, one. Yeah, it's a, the the massive guard dog, not massive, massive. Massive. Yeah, uh, it's a big. Well, we've seen it before. I think it's in Mando. I think it's in Clone Wars. It's like a yeah. It's in. It's like a lizard. Yeah, it's a lizard. Like dog. A, like a lizard. Uh, yeah, dog. Yeah, Tuscans guard dogs. Uh, that was the one that Mando somehow was able to communicate with and gave him a rub on the belly and. What a good boy he was. Yep. So Fett asks his, uh, his little Rodian friend if he wants to uh, cut his bonds and, and escape. But um, the Rodian, he has a little cry and he, he, he tattles and oh. gets him in trouble. Typ- now, typical Rodian. Yeah. The Rodian is voiced by Mr. Darth Maul Starkiller, Sam Witwer. There you go. Yeah, he does a little bit of a cameo there. So that not, not that you'd ever know. No, it's just all just like screeches and grunts. So he's, it's good. I actually like that that they're just going with uh, a lot of the alien accents, but no subtitles. Yeah, because it's like I guess Boba knows what he's saying. I guess if if the character that you're following on a show though knows what you're saying, then there should be subtitles because you are experiencing it through Boba's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'd say so. Yeah. Doesn't he? He manages to. Uh, Draw over one of the massives and um, yeah, knocks he it out, uses its teeth to cut the bonds. Yeah, yeah okay, cool. Um, so the, he escapes, he runs away, but ultimately the Tuscans catch up with him and capture him and knock him out. Uh, he has a bit of a one-on-one with an, with one of the Tuscans, which is really cool. It was fun seeing that. The I think the Tuscan that he interacts with the most is a stunt actress called Joanna Bennett. Correct. She's done a heap of stuff at Disney already. Yeah, yeah, she's... Um She's been the the stunt double 
uh, for uh, Brie Larson if uh, for Captain Marvel, okay. as well as um, Galdo in uh, Wonder Woman. Galgado. Yeah, cool. All right. It's good to see them using the those those you know stunt people across multiple. Oh, for sure. Like, I don't. Think, I guess a lot of people do understand, but stunt actresses and actors and anyone that works behind the scenes, they just you wouldn't even know it's them. You just think it's bloody, you know. Yep. Well, I guess in this case, you don't know who it is because it's, it's the Tuscan Raiders. But, um, you know, I think they those sort of people should get a lot more uh, praise and talk about. Mind you, that, that Tuscan does have a very um, Caribbean sort of feel to it. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I like the individual Tuscan feels and the difference between the tribes. Because I, I was sort of putting my head around that when... We'll get into it eventually, but... Um, when they do talk about different tribes, and it's like, well, we've seen the tribe that dealt with Luke and Ben. Yep. Um, and like, were they more savage? Like, were they... Uh, they were all very much identical. Like, they had the similar garb on, where these guys have a, have a way more of a, um individuality where they've got different bits and pieces on their, their armour. Um, well, that, this is that's the thing, man. Like, are they a more civilised tribe to a degree? Like, that's that's the... Yeah. That's well, the interesting thing. We, we can get into that a bit later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know if you've noticed, but up until this point, there'd been no dialogue in the show. Mm. So, it was all just a visual storytelling for this, you know, I think it's like almost 20 minutes in. Yeah. There's no dialogue, which I thought was pretty fucking cool. Yep. Uh, back in his back to tank. Fett wakes up and suspends his healing session in the back to pod. Uh, the back to pod doors open up and he climbs out of the machine. Uh, a droid fetches him a towel. Fett tells Shan that the dreams are coming back, which we witnessed. He's, he's having these flashbacks. Shan reminds him that they are expecting guests uh, who have come to pay their respect. Droids jet dress Fett in his Mandalorian armor. That was so cool to watch. It's like Iron Man. Just everything's building around him, right? Yep. Uh, of course, then he dons the helmet himself. Uh, and then probably takes it off way too quick. In uh, Jabba's former throne room, an Aquilish delegate speaks the Aquilish language, as an Aquilish alien should, and presents a box of credit chips. The droid 8D8 retrieves the chips. 8D8 is voiced by Matt Berry. Now, Matt Berry, I believe, is criminally underused in this and should have a bigger role of his own. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would watch a show starring Matt Berry. Yeah, set in the Star Wars universe. Oh, well, that'd be good. that'd be interesting. Yeah, Are you, like I don't know if you've watched Toast of London. Yeah, I have. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> I I I think there should be like a dark comedy where it's just set in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, of him doing things, and the the, the Star Wars world is just happening all around him. Yeah, but he's just got this shit going on. I'd watch the shit out of that. Would he just play himself as Matt Berry, or did he yeah. have to be a character? No, it's, oh, yeah, like it's just he, it's just Matt Berry, but he lives in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and, right I don't know. He, he doesn't have the Force or anything, but he's just got to deal with Star Wars shit, <laughs> <laughs> trying to make his way as an actor or something. I don't know. Just <laughs> so you might as well just say just being himself. <clears throat> yeah, why not? All right, so the Aquish is there going off in his Aquish, and um, Fett asks Shand what he said. Uh, she explains that he had something about friendship. Fett says that uh, they really need a protocol droid, which of course is our friend uh, C-3PO. That sort of droid is usually a protocol droid. Yes. 8D8 presents Doc Strassi, the leader of the Tatooine Trandoshan family. They protect uh, Mos Eisba's city centre and its business territories. 
Yeah. I've got to say, they're not doing much protecting. No, the, the Trent Dations have been pretty quiet. They've been doing a lot of sitting <laughs> and a lot of watching. And a, and a lot of <laughs> a lot of getting beaten. Yeah, they, they've done nothing. But yeah. they look they look awesome. Oh, I yeah. think the Trent Oceans in this look fantastic. Oh, I don't yeah, know man. what it is. It's the eyes. I don't know what, what it is about it. Oh, I don't know it, if they're... It's, it's even the voice. They've actually got that lizardy voice in there. Yeah. Um, but see, also, Doc Strassi was also, was also voiced by director and showrunner Robert Rodriguez himself. He was. Uh, I think that's excellent that they include all these little cameos. He yeah. pops up again in the next episode as well. Yes. Yeah, Trindoshans look tip-top in this. I think they're great. They've upped the game with the aliens this universe. I just really hope that we get to see like a main character that isn't human. Yeah. That's one of my biggest things with Star Wars is having another main character where they've got the balls to yeah. make it an alien CGI character. That'd be sick. Oh, look at the look at the job that they've done on the um on the Twi'leks. Absolutely amazing. They don't These Twi'leks, I was gonna get into that once we get to the uh yeah. the next um the next part of the yep. the episode. But the Twi'leks in this are a huge step up from what we've seen in Mando. I just couldn't get into the, the look of the Vampire. Yeah, the um in that Jailbait, a uh, jailbait. <laughs> in that, in that jailbreak episode with the the twins or the the brother and sister. Yeah. I just the the, the twilight the the twil uh, the head twill thing. Yeah, I can't think of the fucking Leku? name. Yeah, head leku. Yeah. So twilek is like twin lek. Yeah, that's right there. So the leku, I, I know they just they looked really bad, but in this looks they they've upped it. It looks yeah. better. Looks better. It uh, looks better, but I've got to say, I think Mando's a, a better series so far. Uh, anyway, that's oh. that's another story. Yep. The next guest we're introduced to is Mok Shais. Mok Shais. The mayor of Mos Espa and its surrounding plateau. Uh, the guest then corrects that he is the mayor's Mojodomo. Now, a Mojodomo is like the right-hand man to somebody in power. Yeah. So Bib, Bib Fortuna would have been the... Or would have been, he was, the major domo to Jabba the yeah. Hutt. And Jabba was the daimyo. Yes. Because they throw, they throw the different words around a lot of domo and daimyo yes. around a lot. And it's very easy to get it confused with the with the uh, the stature of each one. Yeah. Uh, Shan recalls that the mayor was coming to pay tribute and the major domo apologises for the understandably misunderstanding in the mayor's uh, correspondence. You just want to punch him in the face, don't you? Yeah, he's a, he's a very punchable person, and I think that's that's an excellent character trait to have someone like that. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so, Fett extends his greetings and appreciation for the mayor's tribute. Uh, the major domo clarifies that this was another understandable misunderstanding and says that the only tribute that he bears is the mayor's heartfelt welcome, which uh, he expresses in his steed. When Shand asks if he brings no tribute, the Major Domo reiterates the Mayor's heartfelt welcome and uh, claims that he has been drawn away by his pressing matters. Sitting on his ass. And then proceeds to ask them for tribute. Yes. <laughs> so Shand warns Major Domo that uh, if he showed the same insolence to the late Jabba, the hut would have fed him to his menagerie. Fett tells the Major Domo to tell the Mayor that he is here now. The major domo replies that he knows. Uh, Shand wants to kill this guy. Wouldn't you laugh if if the mayor's name was actually like Bolo? <laughs> It'd be funny if it's, if it's his brother. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like he walks in. He's like, "Hey, brother!" Yeah. It's like, oh, Bolo. <laughs> he wants to get drunk and punch him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
tells Shan to keep an eye on Mock, and uh, he heads back to his uh, his master, the mayor of Mos Espa. All right, next bit's pretty cool. 8D8 then has an unidentified character bring in two Gamorian prisoners who had served under Jabba and then transferred their allegiance to the late Bib Fortuna. They did not surrender even after their patron was killed. 8D8 says that they were captured alive as a tribute to Fett, says that their tortured squeals will send a message to the potential challengers to his throne. Fett says he does not torture. He threatens it, though. Eight D eight counsels his master to show strength in order to win acceptance as a as a like you said a daimyo. So Fett offers to spare their lives uh, if the Gamorians were to serve him. The Gamorians bend the knee and submit to Fett. Shan warns him that it is a bad idea. Why? <laughs> um, why does she think that's a bad idea? I don't. Some things are really confusing sometimes in this show because later on you see that they. I guess I guess that's it's setting this up that she thinks it's a bad idea, but ultimately they save him later on. Yeah, that's just plot. Yep. So now we're heading to Mos Espa, the the city center. They take the two Gamorian bodyguards for uh, foreshadowing. I'll get back to foreshadowing. So Shan comments on Fett not letting them carry him on a litter. Now, of course, a litter is something where you sit on it and you are carried around. I think it's just it's more of like a like a like a, like a parade kind yeah, it's of the thing. people following you. That's your yeah. litter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Fett says he doesn't want to be on a, a litter. Uh, he prefers to be um, walking his own two feet. Walking his own two feet and not be a useless noble. Shan explains that it's a sign of power, and the people of Mos Espa are used to seeing the huts being ca- paraded around the streets, uh, which is another bit of foreshadowing for another scene in the next episode. Shan says that things would have gone a lot smoother if they have accepted their ways. Cool-looking Boston Dynamic droids are seen walking down the street of Mos Espa. Now, did you notice that? Have you ever seen the Boston Dynamic droids? No, I, I don't know. So, Boston Dynamic is a, a company in America that makes these, like, really cool robots. And in the streets of Mos Espa, you see these little black dog-looking droids walking down the street. They are totally Boston Dynamic robots. Yeah, righto. That's pretty good. Well, actually, it's like walking by, walking beside them or something. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I remember, f- I remember yeah, saying that. Two yeah. or three of them. Yeah, righto. There you go. I think it's a nice little nod to real life, real life robots. So, at a cantina, Max Rebo returns. Did you see Max Rebo? Oh, yes. How could you, how could you miss him? It's good, now, to, it's good to see him well and alive. Supposedly, he was on the... Um, the sail barge. Sail barge. So how he got off the sail barge and made his way back, who knows. But he also had a Biff musician with him. Could that be one of the Max, not the Max Rebo, could that be one of the other guys from the Cantina band maybe? Oh, possibility. Maybe, maybe he's just that fellow who couldn't make it that night. Or <laughs> He went off on his own and did his own thing. Yeah, now, uh, now he's back. They were playing a slight variation of the Cantina music. Yes. Yes, I Fett and Shan enter the bar with their Gamorian bodyguards. An astromech droid asks if they were here for drinks. Shan says, no, but we're here to see Madame Garza whip. Two Twi'leks ask if they would like their helmets cleaned while they wait for Garza. Now, what I love is probably in America, getting your helmet cleaned means something else over here in Australia. <laughs> Shan declines, but Fett allows them <clears throat> to take both their helmets in order to accept their ways. Uh, Garza whip. Turns out to be a Twi'lek 
female with olive skin. She welcomes them to the sanctuary, which is the name of the cantina, and asks if they would like any of their sundry offerings. So they must have... Uh, was it, it was a very lively cantina. Yeah. Which was sort of a shame to see that place so prosperous. But when we seen the cantina in... Moss Eisley. Moss Eisley. It, it was, was just a, scum. It was a shithole. There was well, nothing there. Well, this one's like a really, you know... Yeah. We just think Moss Esper is more or less the, the capital of... Well, yeah, it's definitely bigger than Moss Eisley. Oh, um, big time. Well, I guess that goes back to when Obi-Wan said, you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Fett says maybe another time and gets uh, down to business. Garza asks if he would like his Gamorrean guards to be given refreshments while they are... Uh, Fed off, and boarded. Yeah, doing their thing. That'd be hilarious if they're just like a trough. And I would laugh if there was a... <laughs> the Gamorreans just like... But it'd be funny if they got like these little pummels next to it that they put their that they put their like helmets on. It's all <laughs> nice, and actually you know, they're just like <laughs> <laughs> totally. Fett says that it's not going to take long, and uh, we can do it right here. Fett introduces Master Assassin Fennec Shan and explains that he has replaced Bib Fortuna. Garza apologizes that she did not see his litter, prompting Fett to say that he prefers to walk on his two feet. Fett explains that he is here to introduce himself and reassures her that her business will continue under his watchful eye. Garza thanks him for travelling to the sanctuary and that he is always welcome, granting Fett ownership. Twilight attendants return with their helmets and Shan remarks that Fett's helmet looks shinier than hers as it's full of credits. Oh, yeah. So, and uh, Republic credits now that the Empire has... Funny that, considering Republic credits were never good on Tatooine. No, now they're all about them. Yep. Uh, While departing the sanctuary, Fett tells Shan that Jabba had many vessels and that they have a lot of ground to cover to keep his empire intact. Shan offers to cover the rounds on her own, saying that Jabba rarely left his chambers. Fett replies that Jabba ruled with fear while he intends to rule with respect. Shan counters that, in difficult times, fear is a surer bet. I think the the whole thing is that you have to find the line down the middle and you've got to address each problem with a combination of fear and respect. Yeah, that's it. You can't go down all of fear. You can't go down all of respect because it just doesn't work like that. You've got to figure out which one to deal with for each situation you're in. Whereas the original Boba Fett would just have this one draconian method, I'd say. Quite possibly, yeah. And that's obviously tackled, I think, with the whole... Learning the ways of the the Tuscans. The Tuscans and Yeah, for sure. And you know getting that out under control, you know? Yep. Rightio, now we see a little bit of an ambush. The two of them are ambushed by six crimson clad figures armed with plasma pikes and energy shields. Fett instinctively fires a rocket whose blast is deflected back by an enemy shield. Knocking both helmets loose, the credits in Fett's helmet fly everywhere and then a whole heap of little nasty Jawas and creatures come around and scutter and steal all these credits. Money, 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 money. (laughs) Money. A fight ensures with Fett and Shand barely holding their own before the Gamorreans come to their aid, breaking the circle created by the ambushes and providing the respite Fett and Shand need to regain their balance and the upper hand. I would have liked this to be way more... What's the word I'm going to look for? Dynamic. No. Action-packed. No, yeah, but... (laughs) One-sided. Not less one-sided. I wish they really were, for some reason, caught off guard. And, like... Instead of blokes, like, catching their attention doing circus tricks. 
Yeah. Because, like, Fett had his... Like, a lot of people are bringing up, like, why Fett didn't just rocket blast out of the ring. Like He's got his rocket pack on. Just oh, <laughs> I don't think he wanted to leave Shan um, there. But also, uh, for him in the city centre, I don't think... A, well, I don't she's think... She's a master assassin. She, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, I just felt the fight was really... I think after seeing... It's, it's going to be hard because after seeing the, the him kick all those Stormtroopers' ass yeah. in Mandalorian and then coming to this where he's just, like, overwhelmed all of a sudden. Um, well, that could also be he's probably still not fully recovered. No, he wasn't fully recovered when he was fighting Stormtroopers. That was before this. Yeah, but <laughs> so, I think Stormtroopers don't backflip over you or rock up with energy shields. I or, don't know. I still think he was much more nimble in that. But anyway, that's it's all about how they make these shows and shit's got to happen, yeah. right? Mind you, he'd probably do want to rock it out of there because, you know, even besides Shan was, you know, left by herself kind of in a, in a, in a sense, um, I'd say he probably just didn't want, to, didn't want to show that he was scared or he was running away from a fight or he was a pushover in the centre of the city because uh, then, you know, that, they'd probably send out a bit of a word saying, oh, maybe this guy isn't who he thought he was. Maybe he's not in control if he's just pushed around. Quite possible. Quite possible. Together they dispatch three of the attackers, leading the other two, uh, sorry, the other three to attempt to escape. Fett fires a rocket at one, disintegrating and partially blowing up a rooftop. So he just decimated one of his uh, enemies here. The other two who climbed to the top of the rooftops, they were chased down by Shand, who retrieves her helmet on the way to the wall. Fett tells her to bring one back alive. Shand chases us across the rooftops, all performing feats of aerobatics and athleticism. Parkour. 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 It's a lot of parkour across this rooftop. Which was good to see. It was 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 cool. I do think it's hilarious that once the helmet goes on, uh, Shand all of a sudden becomes a a parkour expert. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. She manages to capture one and brings him back to to Fett. I just like to look at the glare of her eyes coming out through that slit, man. Mm. I've got to pre-order that Black Series figure. That's what we've got to do. Yeah. Is that for now? It is, but I can only get it by paying by full with um, Bulletproof Villain. Ah, uh, yeah, cool. There's a Bulletproof Villain plug. Go buy your toys from Bulletproof Villain. They're great. I've seen lots of cosplays of her at the moment, so they look pretty good. Are they popping up, are they? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Everywhere. Nice. Actually got some people in Melbourne, that, oh, a lady in Melbourne that does it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so she's she's captured one, and she brings him back to uh, Bubba Fett. All right, following the assassination attempt, and I guess at, we don't really know. I guess there's a lot of assumption there that it was the um, the mayor yeah. of Mos Espa, like because we were told uh, by the major domo that there will be, you know, further incursions or yeah. F- further. Yeah, so I'd say from that first episode, basically that there was the only kind of threat he'd received so of course he kind of you know thought yep it's probably the mayor and that would be my first guess yeah of course of course of course Fett goes back into his pod and he sees a little bit of more of a flashback of when he was with the Tuscan Raiders at this time he is led away by the young Tuscan uh, with his hands bound and his feet chained to the other Rodian fellow Uh, together they uh, they head off into the sands with a domesticated massif I believe that they take him and for some reason they want him to witness some speeder bikes and they pull up to a homestead and they get out and terrorise some peaceful peaceful. They get out and terrorise some people. They spray paint a logo on the wall, which we're supposed to maybe guess that's going to be something coming up later on. 
they were still supposed to be working for Jabba. Well, that's what is it JL. It looks like a JL, but obviously it's not going to be a JL. But on like Jabba League or some shit. Yeah. And then the little Tuscan dude wants him to find the little pods with the water in it. Oh, the milk, yeah. Yeah, so he's like, dig, dig for the water. Thank you very much. I feel like that went on for a little bit too long. So yep. Boba Fett's digging. He finds water. He has a whinge. He... Oh, the young kid goes to wail him on the f- <laughs> on the face and he's just like, I was just thirsty. Yeah, give me some water. Then we get into probably the maybe the coolest bit. <laughs> yeah. So whilst digging for these water pods, our little Rodian friend... He manages to undig a uh, six-legged reptile capable of standing on its hind legs, and this thing isn't happy to be woken up from its sandy little sandy little sleep. And so it squashes his little bitch Rodian ass. Yeah, he grabs that Rodian and pushes him into the sand. He like full Goro lifts him up yep. and slams him. Now, this thing does have a name. Do you know what the name is? It, it is called a Logra. Logra. I'm pretty sure it's, it is from. I think I've seen somewhere pop up that it's like from an old Nintendo game. It's, it's like also a, it's also from a uh, a Star Wars strategy game, Galactic um, Battlegrounds. Yeah, right. It's like the same same sort of uh, setup as like Age of Empires. It's just Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. one of the one of the natural creatures that you go that you see there that you can harvest for food and whatnot and that attacks you is literally a logra. Yeah, right. There you go. So I really loved how he was designed. I, I liked that he could walk on twos, but then he sort of got on all got on four on all fours, but uh, four of six, <laughs> yep. and then sort of scuttled around on them as well. That was really cool. He looked great, and then he was obviously uh, taken out by Fett. It was gonna that was gonna happen all along. Fett did the old. Um, Princess Leia trick. If only Fett was wearing the bloody bikini, he could have been Boba Fett, you know, Hut Slayer. Yeah, Goro, Goro Slayer. Yeah, um, but I reckon that scene was like a little hats off to, you know, Slave Leia, the Hut Slayer. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Uh, he throws a chain around there. It might have been a similar chain, I can't remember. And um, he basically strangles the, the life out of our friend. And then they make their way back to the Tuscan camp. And that pretty much wraps up episode one of the Book of Boba Fett. Haven't seen a book yet in the series. No. I, wonder, I wonder if there will be a book. Well, it makes me makes me think, you know, maybe he does or maybe we are kind of metaphorically seeing Boba Fett's book. Like maybe it's his hit book. What is the book? Yeah. What is the book? Well, if, it, if it's a hit book, you know, or people who Boba Fett are crossing off, you know, we've seen one so far get crossed off and that was Bibba Fortuna. Um, depending on who, what other, you know, uh, well-known Star Wars characters join in f- uh, for the further episodes of the se- of the season, I guess we'll see. You know, we'll guess. Well, I guess we'll see who who stays, who goes, or, and if there is some form of a, of a book. That'd be fun. Yeah, little, little book, and he just like pulls out a little pen and crosses things off, like strangle the Goro. Cross that off the list. Blow Bibber's fat face off. <laughs> Cross it off the list. Ah, I've got to deal with Solo. A kick a Jawa. The badass Bobber. And then good guy Bobber. They kind of get into it a little bit, I feel, when he's in the second episode, which we haven't gone over yet. <laughs> <laughs> Where, like, what's the... What's the turning point? Why did he decide to go from badass Bobber disintegrations... You know, to 
good guy want to rule? I think you've. I, I think he ends up finding some form of honor again. Yeah, I, I guess in his. I don't know. I still think there's a lot missing. I, 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 we can we can make up all the shit we want, but that's yeah. not the point. They should be they should be putting this into the plot and giving clues as to what's going on. And John and Dave, I, I've got a lot of faith in them. I think they're going to do an okay job, but. They're building towards something, but I think there's still bits they're leaving out of this, and it's making it very basic for me. I just well, I suppose you know, like anything, you can't exactly put everything into it because they've only got a certain amount of time to deal with, you know. Um, and I guess they leave certain things up for the imagination, yep. keep people guessing. I mean, look at look at all the years we got zero information about Boba Fett, other than what we've seen in comics or in like, you know, four or five lines of dialogue. Um, to to now, we've we've seen more of Boba Fett than we probably would have in our entire lifetimes, tenfold. Well, I guess, yeah. The good takeaway from it is is we are getting some Boba Fett content. I I didn't expect they'd ever would for some reason. I thought they were just going to leave it, um, create, well, <laughs> create a new character. I just feel like we've already seen a Boba Fett story, and it was done better in Mandalorian. Yeah. That's what I wanted to see from a Boba Fett to a degree. So now up. Now we're getting this Boba Fett. He's taking his helmet off all the time. Whatever. I don't care. Um, but I want to know more about why he is doing what he wants what he's doing here and taking over. I'm sure there'll be a time where him and I'm sure it'll get to it. Yeah. But I just wish there was a little bit more to nibble on right now, that's all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I guess we can do a final thought on this episode and then move into episode two and get that out of the way. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed sitting there watching this show from memory when the, <laughs> I can never remember its name, I was going to call it Goro. When, when Goro pops up, I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. This is a monster that we haven't seen before and it was a pretty big threat. And I thought that was really cool. That was exciting. I really loved the Tuscan Raiders. I, I said I loved the individuality of them and the different looks that they had. And it's obviously they've got this c- community. And you sort of, even though they're horrible to Boba, you sort of get a feel for for them. Because uh, there's the kids and obviously the kids trying to be, you know, brave and, and commanding and becoming well, an adult. Maybe this is where the whole thing of respect he well, was he was definitely, yeah. he was nothing more than just a slave and with a, a few, with a tiny little bit of time and a couple of small acts he started earn, earning the respect enough for them to start you know basically training him in their ways yeah which i think is a big thing of it that's why i think he's had more of his eye opener is the whole process of his captivity um has basically changed his ideals his personal ideals. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and that, that'll that'll come through. It will. But I gotta say, the first episode, I, I enjoyed it, but it didn't it didn't wow me. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm gonna stop watching, uh, because it's it's still enjoyable to watch. Uh, I want to see where Dave and John are gonna take it. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it for what it was. You know, um, it was good to see. You know, the whole escaping Zalak. It was. It was good to see the the Tuscans. It was good to see 
was, everything that I've seen was great. Um, I can't really complain too much. I'm easily pleased, but it, it's almost like, you know, make yourself that coffee that's just right, the right temperature, you know. It was it was everything fine and okay. You know, it wasn't like this extremely big blow away kind of a thing. Yeah. But you know what? It sat extremely well with me mm-hmm. that I could sleep well at night. Yeah, cool. That's all it's got to do. All right, let's get episode two out of the way. Episode two, where our friend Boba Fett faces new challenges on Tatooine. We open up where they are interrogating our captured assassin. Love this scene. Once again, we see an opening shot of Jabba's palace. The camera zooms in on an armed Fennec Shand leading the captured assassin into the into the castle. They come through the giant blast gates, which we've seen from Return of the Jedi, where R2 and 3PO walk through, and you've got your uh, your little friend. Caught you wanking. Caught you wanking. So, Boba is holding court, and uh, he demands to know who sent him and what were his orders. Of course, the assassin that... Uh, Fennec Shand is brought back. Uh, the two Gamorrean guards also there, and our friend Matt Berry, 8D8, stand in the background. Um, while the assassin refuses to speak, Fett orders the Gamorreans to behead him. Of course, you know, we rule with respect. Before the Gamorrean can slit his throat, the prisoner curses at him in Hatties, Echuta, um, which is just a fairly common sort of... We hear that a lot, but I'd love to know what it means. It's just like, I think it's just like piss off. Fuck you. Yeah, that sort of thing. Eat the D. Yeah. So it's it's fairly common uh, between a lot of uh, inhatis to call someone out and say, Echuta. So, 8D8 explains that the prisoner is from the Order of the Night Wind, uh, an assassin for hire. 8D8 says there is no way the prisoner will talk, adding that he fears no man. Shand and Fett express disagreement. Shand suggests that the prisoner will fear the Rancor and presses a button that activates the trapdoor to the Rancor's den. Uh, as the gate opens below, the assassin panics and tells Fett and Shand that he was sent by the mayor of Moss Esper and he begs for his life. Uh, and then, of course, Shand reveals that the Rancor's den is empty and the assassin just sits there in his shit pants. Um, I wanted to see Moochie. I know, right? I did sit there. I went, oh, Moochie. That's what I was waiting I literally flew up off the land. I was like, we're going to say Moochie. And it's just like, what did we say the other day? This little four-foot rancor comes I, out. I really... Uh, so Moochie is a, the, the small rancor that uh, Bib Fortuna brings back from the Bad Batch series for some reason. Uh, and obviously they didn't they didn't pay that off in this. Um, I would have loved to have seen, uh, even though it's like multiple years beforehand. I feel like maybe it takes a long time for these rancors to get to full size. Oh, so it would have so. been funny as shit. I feel like that this like five foot rancor comes out. <laughs> yeah, because Batista was like a fully grown rancor. Right. Absolutely. I think it would have been hilarious. And this is but, uh, this is only like f- what five years after uh, Return of the Jedi, if that. So yeah, Bob, Bob is sitting. At, or Bob is uh, currently at the age of forty-one in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, he's looking good. <laughs> <laughs> he's had a rough life. <laughs> he's been a bit hard on the gear. Yeah. All right. So um, the rancor obviously isn't in there, uh, and Shanford suggests to Fett that they they should visit the mayor and have a little chitty chatty. Uh, 
So they head on into the, the mayor's office of Mos Espa. They've got their two Gamorians with them. They are noticed by several Trandoshans who uh, eye them off. Now, still sitting on their ass though, doing nothing. They're not protecting anything. Um, and wearing lots of clothes. Yeah. They're very covered up for lizard people. The the group walk inside the town centre where Fett tells the city hall clerk. I don't know what it was about this guy, but he did not fit the scene. It was He was just a full-on, like, hipster. Yeah. I he just, had, like, the moustache, the mullet, <laughs> the, the hat on. He's been to a festival. He's living he's, he's living a carefree life. <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't find him that great in the how, scene. I don't know. How does he not know who Boba Fett is? Yeah, how does nobody know who Boba Fett is? I yeah. would have loved just to see Boba Fett just be like, fuck you, bro, and just shoot his face off. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's just a small detail that bugs me. So, uh, he wants to see the mayor, but the reception is like, nah, you need an appointment, bro. Uh, and Fett responds that he found uh, one of his stray pets talking about his assassin. So, the, uh, the receptionist tells him to wait, but is overruled by the Twi'lek Major Domo, who apologized for the lack of... Pomp. Oh, I'm sorry, my lord. Yep. So, the uh, our major domo friend claims that the mayor is indisposed um, for the rest of the week, but uh, Fett just walks on through and finds our Ithorian mayor, Mok Shaz, Mok demands uh, an explanation for Fett's unscheduled visit. Now, obviously, he wasn't busy because he was sitting on his ass doing nothing. The major domo reminds Shaz that Fett is the new demo. And uh, Fett demands to know why the mayor sent the assassin to kill him. Shays explains that the assassin is a member of the Order of the Nightwind, which we've already been told. Thanks for that. Um, when Fett asks the mayor if this is an omission, one of the mayor's guards shoots the assassin. Now, that's obviously the mayor getting rid of the assassin so he doesn't talk anymore. Because I'm not, I'm not sold on the fact that this mayor didn't send this guy. Mm. Just doesn't make sense. And I think there's a lot of wool being pulled over Fett's eyes and he's just falling for it. It's kind of annoying. I don't know if he's falling for it. I think he's kind of just... Just playing the game. I think he's just playing the game. I think he's just weathering it. Yeah, right. So, with the Major Domo translating, uh, Shay says that the Order of the Nightwind are not allowed to operate outside hut space and thanks Fett for turning him in. So he's sort of like, Reverse psychologizing it a little bit, saying you've you've brought this guy back to me. I took care of him. Thanks a lot. See well, you later. Technically, isn't Tatooine part of Hut Space? Don't know. Have to have to Google the old Hut Space. Um. So he he orders his guards to bring him his reward. Um. So he's. Yeah. He's 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 thanking Fett for his hard work. So mind you, it was a pretty small bag. <laughs> yeah, it was very small. I like how Fennec's just like kind of just like the one little jig when she's like, hmm. <laughs> Fett replies that he is not a bounty hunter, but Shays says that he overheard otherwise. Shays uh, remarks that Fett sits on the throne of his former employee, prompting Fett to respond that Bib Fortuna is not his employer or was not his employer. And uh, Shays clarifies that he was referring to Jabba. Fett replies that he will take this payment as the belated tribute that our major domo friend didn't bring. Uh, he adds that the mayor should uh, remember that he serves as long as the demo of uh, Tatooine decides. Yep. Uh, our mayor 
asked Fett to consider who really sent the night assassins. Now, I'm not sold that he didn't. So <laughs> this sort of annoys me. Well, maybe he was in partnership with the... Uh, yeah, they're all working together. Yeah, but like, I don't even find Fett a, a threat. Like, <laughs> Not at the moment. They, they all should have like way more firepower than Fett has. Like, anyway. Um, <laughs> he claims that he's got no motive for killing Fett. He, he then tells Fett that he serves at his pleasure. So he's sort of bending over to Fett as well. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Fett warns him that he is not a fool and those who have crossed him no longer breathe. No longer draw breath. Um, as advice, Shayiz warns Fett that running a family is more complicated than bounty hunting. Uh, Shays tells him to go to a Gasper Fwip sanctuary to get an idea of what he means. Now, is he saying that he knows that the the huts are going to be there? Of course. Okay. Obviously, the man knows everything that goes on. Yeah. So, Fett and his entourage head to back to Gas's sanctuary, where we see now two. Twi'lek friends and all the droids and all the cool little th- stuff that's going on. It's actually a, a much cooler version of the horrible casino that we've seen in Return, uh, Return of the Jedi. Of the Last Jedi. <laughs> uh, there was some much cooler stuff going on in here. I yeah. Think. It was way cooler. So, Fett explains to um, Garza that the mayor uh, sent him here on the pretext that there is something he should know about. Garza gives him a nervous look. Fett remarks that she is sweating like a gumpter on Mustafar. What's a gumpter? It's one of those little fire creatures that hangs around the edge of the, the lava flow. Is it really? Yes. I don't have a photo of it. That's a disappointing. A gumpter was a type of creature. Well, well done. <laughs> wow. Okay, so there's not any real data about that. It's just no. that it's uh, a little creature that lives on Mustafar. Well done. Wow. <laughs> Not a pre-cluster running, just saying. No. <laughs> Gasper explains that the twins have laid claim. To so yeah. they're, they're coming to take back over what's what they think is actually theirs. They've laid claim to all of Jabba's gear. Yeah. Fett replies that he had heard the twins were preoccupied with... Uh, the debauchery. Nal Hutter to bother, bother with Tatooine. The cantina grows silent as they hear drums beating in the background. Fett... Shand and the Gamorreans walk outside to see a procession carrying two huts on a litter. I've got to say, they're some strong motherfuckers to be carrying that the mobile throne and those two huts. It had a pretty good bend in it, but I really think there should have been a few more of those. What's people. that alien that you keep talking about all the time? No, oh. no, no, no. It's um, Clatoonians. Yeah, yeah, dog people. But they weren't. What's the what's the other? F- People, the other aliens that you see with the, the little two teeth thing at the top of their head. What De- the Dev Devronian? De- no, no, no. Um, you see them all the time. Um, okay. What about them? <laughs> oh, that's what. There was only a couple of humans. Oh, in there. right. Yeah. Okay. There was only a couple of humans in there. Yep. 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 And um, all the rest were these other aliens that we commonly see quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, but they're some strong motherfuckers anyway because oh, yeah. they're some two big fat, fat big fat huts. Um, so as the litter approaches Fett's entourage, the hut brother tells Fett that they have business to discuss. Fett replies that this is his territory. 
prompting the Hutt brother to reiterate that this is Jabba's territory and now theirs, meaning the twins. One of the drummers presents a tablet stating the Hutt's claim to Tatooine. Fett rejects this claim. Ta-ta. Stating that he is the uh, uh, daimyo of Mos Espa. The Hutt's laugh with the brother asking if this is so. Now this is where we see a great big hunk of a Wookiee. Oh, it's almost like mic drop moment. I and, loved it. And out he walks. Yes. It's, it's the one, the only, black chrysanthemum. Yeah, he's super cool. So uh, he's also called BK. I think he's got a couple of nicknames. But he, when I seen him pop up, I was like, oh, this dude's from the Expanded Universe. Marvel, is it the Marvel um, comics? Yeah, so he, he exists in a, a couple of comic books. Um He's known as Santi, Black K, or BK. He often, um, he often worked with um, Dr. Afra. Dr. Afra. And also, Dr. Afra has the two droids, Triple uh, Zero and the yep. Astromech droid. They're killing bots anyway. So, he is, I think it's a Vader comic. So, there's a heap of Star Wars comics, Dr. Afra comic, Darth Vader comics. He's been around. He's got experience with Boba Fett. They've had run-ins before. Now, I you think ma- they've even worked with one another. They did work with each other. You mentioned that he didn't have a scar. He actually does. I didn't see it. Yes. Maybe he does. He does have a scar, and that scar was given to him by Obi-Wan Kenobi, apparently. Yeah, I've, I've heard the same thing. Yep. So, I, I gotta, I, admittedly, I've never read many of the comic books just because they're harder to get. But so the, the funny thing with the, with the, is with that story that... Uh, he was on he was on a job for Darth Vader and then happened to ro- stumble into Obi Wan Kenobi who gave him a scar and never reported. Oh yeah, I had a Jedi give me that scar. <laughs> who goes by the name of Obi Wan Kenobi? Oh, maybe he just had no idea. <laughs> right now, so we see uh, an armed black Wookiee known as Black Kurasantan, who is armed with a heavy blaster. He approaches Fett and his entourage. Fett is not intimidating, stating that these are not the death pits of Dur. Um, and that he is not a sleeping transo- Trandoshan guard. Fett replies that Mos Espa is his territory and tells them to go back to Nal Hutta. The Hut sister speaks in Huttese, and her brother replies that Fett has upset his sister and that he is more patient than her who wants to kill him. As Shand and Kurasantan load their weapons, Fett explains that Jabba's gone and that his former major domo, Bib Fortuna, usurped his territory. Since Fett killed Bib, all that belonged to Fortuna now belongs to him. Fett says that they will have to kill him for it. The two huts have a little chit-chat between each other. The hut brother says that bloodshed is bad for business and that this matter can be dealt with later. He wants Fett to sleep quietly. As the drummers beat their drums, the two huts withdraw. Uh, our big friend, uh, Black Kursartan growls at Fett before walking away. He, he like eyeballs the living shit out of him. He eyeballs him to buggery and back. He looks awesome. He does. And I look, Chewbacca, he's like Wookiee standard, but this guy looks more like a Wookiee than Chewbacca looks like a Wookiee. Like the, the makeup that they've, they've applied to the face and where the eyes... Like when I look at Chewie, it always looks like a dude in a suit. The eyes just never work for me with Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah. But this guy, it's like... It's literally, it's literally like, you know, the abominable snowman. I think it's because of the white of his eyes. Yeah, I'd say so. Because it's so... 
contrasting. Well, Where with Chewy, it's like you can see the human eye. Yeah. More so than this like real comic-y wide eye yep. with the black pupil. But also, it could be just the colour of his fur throwing us off. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean, like the contrast. Shan tells Fett that they will have to get permission to kill the the hut of siblings. Jabba's, Jabba's cousins. Yeah. So who who would they have to ask permission? Uh, the hut council. So there's not just one hut who's actually the head of the whole thing. There's actually a, a family council or a hutties council that controls all of, you know, basically the whole hut syndicate. So right. you have a council that controls the whole crime syndicate as a whole and each one of those council members is basically a daimyo of a certain region and they control those regions. So you could almost say it's some form of a democracy. Could the person that they have to ask permission for be someone like uh, the leader of the uh, Black Sun? Like Crimson Dawn. Crimson Dawn. Well, and a character that may pop up. Ah, good old uh, Kira. Yes. Well, this is this is the thing, you know. Um, Crimson Dawn fell apart at the end of um, at the end of the Galactic Civil War. Mm, so I wonder how much of that will tie into it, anyway. It'd be um, interesting to see. Well, just think if she, if if she's going to be the some form of the you know the the competition to Boba Fett of trying to claim lay claim to certain crime territory. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, but uh, at the same time, does that mean we're going to have to see Han Solo? Because you can't really have Kero without saying some form of Han Solo. It would be cool if they rejoined there for a second. Yeah. And Han's got his new fling with Leia. But mind you, Boba Fett has a bit of a score to settle with Kara too after she stole uh, yeah. um, Han, Han and Carbonite off him. Yeah, she, she got in there and snuck him away. That's it. But he had to come and get her back. Yep. Get him back, should I say. All right, so we see another back to flashback, flashback to flashback to, um, and this is a long one. And I really, I was going to address this. I'll probably talk about it after we finish the flashback, which I guess is the rest of this episode. We don't it actually is literally see the rest of the episode is literally is yeah, flashback okay. territory. The rest of the episode is a flashback. So while Fett is resting inside his back to tank, he experiences a flashback of his time with the Tuscan Raiders again. So, while a banther plows the desert, he learns how to wield a gaffy stick from a Tuscan raider. The older Tuscan teaches him how to hold the stick properly before parrying. Uh, she knocks the staff out of Fett's hands before telling him how to practice again. He asks the Tuscan to show him. Uh, other Tuscans search the desert grounds for gourds. So, gourds are, of course, the, the water pod that our little friend had, Bobber, and he's our now dead... Rodian friend look for in the sand. Yeah, they drink the milk out of it. Yeah. Milk or water. Whatever it is, it's a liquid. I, I think uh, Boba Fett refers to it as um, milk. Does he? Yeah. I think it says water. Oh, we'll have to watch it again. What an excuse. Um, while the two are practicing, a massive finds some prey in the desert. The prey scurries into the desert while the Tuscan's massives go after him in pursuit. Uh, a Tuscan kills the unidentified little creature that scurried away with a rifle and the massives feast on the creature. All of a sudden, we hear an animal's roar in the background. Something's approaching. The Tuscans take up position, and the armoured hover train approaches. Blaster bolts from the armoured train take out a banther and several Tuscan raiders. The train then rides away into the desert, but without killing a few of our Tuscan friends, and a uh, couple are wounded. Fett watches the Tuscans attend to their wounded and their dead. 
find funny that they just sort of fire on anyone for whatever reason. I was like, that's well, I suppose when you're in those kind of regions, you know, don't, don't take a risk. Well, as soon as you leave the city centre, it's literally everyone knows Tuscan Raiders. The other thing about this, it's a it's a universe where space travel exists, floating skiffs exist, lots of stuff exists. But why why do they keep going back to these like going by train? I I sort of feel like it's it's like in the real world, like right now, is like if we were dealing drugs or sp- you know, whatever, and we got a horse and carriage, <laughs> and we decided to travel by horse and carriage. You know what I mean, though? Like, why the train? Why are they? Why, I wish there was a reason. I wish they actually showed a reason why they're doing it in this particular style of transport that made sense of the situation and the plot and the spice. And there's a reason why they can't travel some other way. Well, all you, all you could think about it in your own mind is just, oh yeah, it's probably a, a less out of the eyes. You know, they're seeing those seeing those spaces more monitored than actually on the ground. So maybe it's just another little way of them just... That's, that's what I was saying. If, if, but if they explain that in the show, that'd be great. Like, well, there's a, if they explain why there's a reason that they're doing it, fantastic. Well, you'd have to ask one of the most, um, one of the most notorious crime syndicates in the universe. The Pikes. As the Pikes. Yeah, they're the ones on the train. It, to be honest with you, it was actually good to see them. It was. And we'll get there. We'll talk about them. All right, later that night, the Tuscans uh, cremate their fallen... Looked a little bit Jedi burning, yeah, and that might be like you know the Jedi have their their ways where they cremate their their fallen brothers and sisters, and the the Tuscans probably have a similar ideology of of passing the the bodies onto the next world through cremation, possibly. Yep. yep. So Fett carries uh, a couple of the remains of the the young Tuscan youth, and the parents fling his body onto the fire. Less less so than what uh, CPO's brutal throw of the jar <laughs> is onto the fire. Plop. It's just it's not a plop. It's a it's a bloody ground earth shaking thud. Yeet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fett is Fett's visibly troubled by the plight of the Tuscan Raiders, so he's starting to get a little bit of a, an emotional connection with them by experiencing this this uh, massacre. So he drinks from the, the black melon and watches several speeder bikes passing their encampment. Fett speaks up to the tribal elders, vowing to stop the train with a rifle and a stick. Uh, he promises to be back by the morning. The chief is sceptical, but he allows Fett to take off and um, do this little quest. Now, Fett travels to Toshi Station. I didn't realise that's where they went, because it's not really named. I didn't, reala- I didn't realize that was um, Tosh Station. That's Toshi Station. Um, so this station is frequently uh, visited by Nikto miners, and among the patrons in this Toshi Station, because we've actually been to Toshi Station before, but it was a deleted scene in A New Hope. Yep. And we've seen Luke's friends, Cammy and uh, Lays, and they were actually in a deleted scene with Luke and Biggs. Yes. Uh, which is really cool. It's a nice little nod. It's, it's, I think it's a perfect little nod because they probably would still be there because they just didn't get off world. One of the Nikdos, uh, they snatch a little bit of food off the table and uh, Blaze decides to stand up and he says, this isn't right. Basically gets in their face but sort of gets his ass handed to him. He grabs, uh, Nikdos grabs Lays and basically 
Give him a good old zap. Yeah, give him a zap. However, this is as Fett interrupts them and walks into the uh, the station. He, but he walks in like full Jake the Must style. He does. It is very Jake the Must. But funny that, because he is Jake the Must. Correct. Fett walks into the cantina after with a gaffy stick and a rifle. Nikto uh, miners fetch some Malay weapons and attack Fett. Fett disarms one of the attackers. A second miner shoots him, but uh, Fett shoot, shoots him first. Lays and Cammy take the opportunity to leave. Fett fights the remaining Nekto miners, wounding and uh, killing a few with a ga- uh, gaffy stick. He hurls one more through a, a window before uh, stopping for a drink. Fett then exits the cantina and inspects their speeder bikes. I sort of like that. He's looking at which one am I going to choose. Yep. And he just goes with all of them. Bloody earth. Why wouldn't you? Takes them all. Yeah. So we, we see a nice little scene where he's riding back to the uh, Tuscan Raider camp with all the bikes in tow. So he, he rocks up there and he basically um, he tells them it's a, a gift. He's going to gift these bikes to the, the clan. Yep. Uh, but it isn't long before all the, all the Tuscans sort of just sort of jump on the bikes and start ripping bits off them. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And now this is where we get into our, our, um, our heist, our hover train heist. Yeah. So oh, no, 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 no. We've got to talk about like a banter. It's basically in between then and, like, then and a little bit later. So it's like right now that oh, he's... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so he's trying to... He's trying to basically show them how to ride. Yeah, okay. And he's showing, <coughs> showing them the forwards and back, forwards yep. and back. And they just stand at him like, we don't understand. And then it was like they threw the most left curve ball out of, out of anywhere. And Boba Fett breaks sort of character and goes, you know, big smile on his face and starts getting in all silly, you know. Like you know, a banter. Like a banter. Like a banter. And it's kind of just like... That was such an awkward saying, but yet it was kind of <laughs> it was funny at the same time. It was awkward. It, I remember it, it. It was very like, I get it, but I'm a little bit awkward about it. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of montage there where you see them learning how to use the bikes and stuff. That was cool because obviously they they've never had to use them before. Uh, fast learners. Fast learners. All right, so. Sentry spots the approaching hover train. The Tuscans grab their weapons and jump on the speeder bikes. Uh, others take position in the desert. As the Tuscans in the trenches exchange fire with the pike gunners, uh, Fett and the other tes- Tuscans riding speeder bikes pursue the train. A Tuscan signals for them to um, stay hidden in the hills uh, until a further time. Hidden Tuscan snipers shoot several of the gunners. Uh, some of the Tuscans on bikes manage to board the train but face resistance from the gunners. Some are killed. Fett rescues one of them and uh, uses a grapple hook to latch onto the hover train. He also kills one of the pike gunners. Uh, they jump across to the carriages and, and fight several of the emerging uh, sentries. Um, as they approach the train, the pike guards take up position and fire on the advancing Tuscans, uh, taking some down. Now, I found this scene quite good. It was, it was pretty brutal too. Like, those Tuscans, they, some of them, they got taken out. And oh, they got taken out hard. Taken out hard, right. I love the bit where there's the one Tuscan who gets onto the train and makes his way through, and you just see him pop up out of the hatch. That, I, I kind of stop laughing, but it's, it's like you see him like jump on as soon as, and Boba Fett's like looks over the edge, and as soon as he looks over, you see this bloody Tuscan legs go in, and the pike go flying out, <laughs> and then it's like you start start seeing all people getting shot up inside, and the flaps open at the other end, and they're kind of looking up, and all of a sudden the, this pike goes flying out of it, and you get to see this head just go pops up. He's kind of like. Moving around like, oh my god, that's hilarious! And then it just pops back down again, you know. It was a good bit. Yeah, yeah, it was really funny. I could almost see that same scene 
but a Tuscan Raider like in a uh, in an ATST like a chicken walker. I think that's what it really did evoke. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Really, it was it was definitely a callback to that. Totally. Uh, Fett forces his way into the train engine where he orders the driver to uh, stop the vehicle, but the little spidery droid instead jumps out into the desert and just fucks off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he chucks a toaster bath and jumps out the window. Yeah. Fett struggles to stop the train but finds the brakes. Uh, he then uses his gaffy stick to disable the ship's engines, causing it to break into the desert. The Tuscans shout in victory before proceeding to loot the train for weapons and merchandise. Several Tuscan guard the surviving captive pike gunners and guards. Fett demands to know who is the leader of the pikes. One of them does stand up and removes his mask, and this is pretty much the first time we've seen a pike remove his mask, I want to say. Live action it is. We have, yeah. seen, we have seen him removed in the Clone okay, Wars. Oh, cool. Compl- right. But it, looks, it, looks, it does look a bit different. Ah, uh, look, it's always going to change between live yeah. action and, and But you know what? Animation. I don't care. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was great. Uh, they looked like fishmen, basically. Um, he he asks Fett if uh, Fett's going to kill them. Fett replies that it depends on how he answers his following questions. When Fett asks if he is carrying spice, the pike leader asks what he means by spice. Fett asks if he's carrying uh, Sansana spice. Yes. And that comes from the slave minds of Kessel. The pike leader asks, what does spice look like? And just as he does, a uh, two Tuscans discover a crate of spice and it opens up and glitters around the place. Like that. Just like that. Fett replies that is not looking good for him. The pike leader says that they assumed that the Tuscans were uncivilized raiders and say that they were just trying to protect their route. Fett replies that the Dune Sea is no longer free for the pikes to pass since the Tuscans claim the territory is an ancestral ground that if they want to pass, they have to pay a toll to the Tuscans. Uh, and he warns that any uh, death dealt by travelling trains will, will return to them in tenfold. So Fett's going to... Well, Fett might not do it, but I think with the training and stuff that Fett can offer oh, the Tuscans, sure. yeah. uh, they can do this for themselves. Fett orders the pike leader to return to the pike syndicate and uh, with these new terms, and add that their lives are a gesture of their civility. He uh, tells the Pikes to walk single file in the direction of the high sun, explaining that that will lead them to Anchorhead by sunset. Something that single file comes up. Another reference to... Well, yeah, it is a reference to, you know, that the Tuscan Raiders would walk in single file, um, but at no point do we have, we, have we ever seen them do it. Um, and now, when we do see the Tuscans for the first time in this series... Uh, they're walking in the middle of a sandstorm. So I think, like, just say, if what's the point of walking single file to, to hide your numbers? If you're walking in a sandstorm, your, your footprints aren't going to last any long, like, that long anyway. So I think that's a cool little... Yeah, yeah up. Um, When the leader process they'll be killed, uh, Fett reassures them that they will be travelling under the protection of the Tuscans and no harm will come to them. When the pike leader protests that they will die first without the water cart... Fett promises that they will each be given a black melon. Stating that they will survive on its milk, as these people do. Boom. Boom. Set it. The pikes leave while the Tuscans plunder the water cart. Mind you, they're being very wasteful. (laughs) I don't think they've ever known what to do with water, anything other than their own sweat. Right. All right, so this, this final scene of this episode, it's kind of a... I thought it was pretty damn cool. I thought it was really good. Um, it was. Um, I do have a couple of little, little uh, picks about it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'll just explain. Uh, so 
Later that night, Tuscan, the Tuscan chief explains that since the oceans of Tatooine have dried up, awesome little thing about Tatooine that it used to have oceans and stuff, they've stayed hidden. He says that the other tribes have survived by killing. That's what I was harking back to about yes. how the other tribes, they're obviously way more brutal than, than this particular tribe, right? So Fett replies that they shouldn't have to hide since they are warriors. The Tuscan chief replies that the off-worlders have machines. Fett reassures them that now they have machines and that they know uh, every grain of sand in the Dune Sea. They've got a much bigger advantage than any outsider. The Tuscan chief gives Fett a gift, stating that uh, he is a good guide. The gift turns out to be a lizard in a basket. The lizard and then shoots up inside his nose into his skull. That was just off. It it sent the willies down his spine. Yeah. The chief explains that the lizard will guide him from the inside of his head, and then we see Fett disappear into a vision as he's... uh, He's cracked, cracked out, just wandering the desert. Yeah. So he finds himself walking through the deserts of Tatooine and sees a, visions, uh, a vision of a tree and oceans and lots of creatures with red eyes. Fett also experiences flashbacks of climbing out through the moor of the Sarlacc as well as his childhood on Camino, watching his father leave on Slave 1, which they haven't actually name-dropped yet and there's a good chance it's not going to be called Slave 1 anymore, but nope. we'll find out. Uh, the vision ends with him emerging while the ocean roars. So we see some, it could be Camino waters, but it could also be the Tatooine waters. Yep. I had no idea, I suppose we're not supposed to, but what this was supposed to mean um, until... Well, it's his, it's his awakening dream. Yeah, but it was, but basically or, it's... Yeah. The fo- okay, so I'll, get, I'll just finish this off. So the following day, Fett returns to the Tuscan camp where he is greeted by the young Tuscan youth he befriended with his massive... Fett is greeted by the Tuscan chief and his followers. The lizard emerges from his nostril. Fett remarks that he has thought it was part of the dream. The Tuscan chief asks him to show him the branch. So then I'm like, okay, so this is like a ritual thing where they've got to go and find this tree, but the only way to find the tree is to use the lizard and then you can find your branch. So it's like a... It's like a it's like a warrior's uh, rite of passage. It's a rite of passage to find the branch to build your uh, gaffy stick. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much all it is. And apparently, the lizard's the only creature in the world that knows where this tree is, if it even exists. Yeah, it was very American Indian kind of esque. What well, is because uh, dances with wolves. Um, yeah. Lawrence of Arabia. Like <laughs> any any story it's any story where an outsider comes and joins the tribe. It's the same story over and over again, which is it's like look. Stories always will repeat themselves. They'll they'll go down the same paths because what else can you do? There's nothing new anymore. Um so then we see a bit of a another scene where um they they give him the robes that we see in Mando. Yeah. And we see him all suited up and he gets his robes and scarves and bandages and he looks all badass, right? So now Cloaked Fett emerges from the tent and he uh, faces his Tuscan friends. The young Tuscan walks beside him and the, uh, the two head into the desert towards a wrecked site. One of the Tuscan forges the branch into a new gaffy stick. Fett helps him carve the weapon, which is also heated in an oven. Pieces of metal are added to the gaffy stick, giving it an armoured plating. The metal is dipped in the oven. Later that night, Fett presents his new gaffy stick to the rest of the clan. He parries with the other Tuscans. 
they all get up and they all have a good old sing-song dance. The end. That is episode two of the Book of Boba Fett. In a nutshell. Oh, that's a very big nut. Yep. I really appreciated the length of this episode. 51 minutes? Oh, I was up there, yeah. <laughs> but I also feel like these two episodes should have just been one big opening scene. It kind of would have made more sense for this to be, that this and the other one to be the one in the same episode. Yeah, one big episode. Yeah. What I'm getting at with these flashbacks, hopefully they're done. I don't want any more flashbacks. Just now get into the plot of what, what is going on in current time. Well, I say current time. <laughs> when he's like in Tatooine doing his thing now. Well, when you really think about it, we've pretty much seen from uh, another perspective of basically what he'd been doing. He Basically, after that, he just tracked down his armour. Well, yeah, that that's I don't, but we don't need to see that now. Flashbacks, we've already got that. So I just feel like that the the flashbacks have done, they're played out. They were as expected. There was nothing there that was really if there's any surprising. If, if, yeah. Did you find any of it surprising? Like of any of that, no. other than the the trippy lizard up the nose, like, you can't expect that. Oh, but I, was, like, I was pretty blown away by that. But even even the last ceremonial ceremonial dance, when they first started, I literally thought they were going to have their par- their parry off. And like just have like a little, you know, spar with one another yeah. as a, like a little rite. Um, but no, they end up getting up and doing like a big tribal sort of dance. And I was just like, I was blown away by that. And I was like, wow, that is extra cool. Yeah, okay. So I, th- I think the stuff that I like the most about these episodes is the, the lore that they're creating. Yeah. Um, for a lot of these things, especially with the Tuscans. I think they're the part, probably the, the best part of the, the series so far, the Tuscan, the Tuscan Raiders. I would love to see a series about Tuscan Raiders. That'd be cool. Like just a Tuscan Raider show, and a Matt Berry show. <laughs> or Matt Berry could be a doc, like a a documentary. He, he's, he's like a rogue documentarist who like follows a group of Tuscan Raiders. Yes. All right. Green light that Disney. So the lore of the Tuscan Raiders, the lore a little bit getting into the Pike Syndicate, the lore of the bloody. Big black Wookiee. I, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> but I, I also like saying that they showed Gamorrean guards aren't as useless as we kind of know them to be. They're actually quite formidable in a fight. No, I, I always th- thought they would be. I, I didn't think they weren't. But do you think that they're a little bit undersized compared to how I remember them in... Maybe got to rewatch Return I of the a- Jedi. No, I actually think they're taller and they're made to look like they've, you know, crossfit. Yeah, they've been cross-fitting. They're, they're not skipping leg day. Uh, the, I just feel like the, the Gamorreans in Return of the Jedi were just a little bit bigger. Oh, they were more rotund. Yeah. that's. I don't have much more to say on it other than I, I, I'm not wowed, but I'm still keen to find out where it goes, and I hope it does go somewhere. I'm going to be disappointed if we get this mirandering nonsense of just no plot. That's going to yeah. annoy me. It's yeah. going to annoy me, and it might it might get to a point where I'm like, I'm I'm done. Yep. But I, I'm, well, I won't. I'll, I'll watch it, but I'm yeah. just I'm just going to hope that I don't get to a point where I'm just not invested in it as as much as I want yeah. to be. Well, Boba Fett's one of those hard characters to kind of, you know, concentrate on singularly with like certain aspects of him. Like, there are so many different like, I don't know routes you kind of got to go with him. Um, especially if you're doing it on a film and whatnot. Like, say. You can't have him. You've got to have you know the plot and all that kind of stuff, but you've also got to have similar backstory just for everyone's you know given pleasure. 
Um, but I'm sure the, the flashbacks and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure that won't last too much longer. If there is going to be another flashback, I, I could only assume it might be him sussing it after he, you know, so he might suss out Jabba's palace, you know, and then he might go steal his ship back um, and then piss off and go look for his armour. That's all I can think of another flashback. But apart from, but apart from that, um, I th- yeah, it's, I think it's been pretty... In my eyes, been pretty pretty good. Like the lore of it's been been absolutely great. The lore stuff is my yeah. It's the thing that's holding it together. Yeah, but so um, right now there's there's not enough idea of what the hell's going on. No, what no. what he wants, why he wants to do this, why his character has changed. Yep. Um, but the lore stuff is is what I'm coming back for. Yeah. Um, and he he's li- his little dream that you touched on before, um, when he was at the tree. Now you see the you see the the ocean that you that we might have thought might have been um, Camino, maybe it's the June Sea. The tree might have just been the tree, and might have been just the confines of who he was as a person. Yeah. And he he's now broken free of that. But the little red eyes in the background, I think, he, uh, is a symbol of the Jawas that he, they come across him at night time. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I'm waiting for it to really find its legs. I hope it does. Um. I'm just not, I'm just not excited. But that's fine. Like that's fine. It is what it is. And hopefully we can do these weekly, so we don't have to do a really long one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bloody hell. Well, I'm ready to move on and watch episode three. Is there anything else you want to add? Oh man, I think we've covered everything. Everything's all, right. all, everything's all sweet. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up there. Thank you very much for listening. If you have stuck around this long, it's been a it's been good to get back and do it again. Oh, it's been awesome. I still have to finish editing our last episode of The Bad Batch. I will try and get that out at some point, <laughs> but I'll also put this one together. You can find me on social medias on Instagram at Sovereign41. You can find Willie. If you go to Linktree, uh, you can you can find some of the things that he does there. So if you go Linktree at Echo Bischoff, B-I-S-C-H-O-F-F, You'll be able to find him on TikTok. He has a fantastic TikTok page if you're into that sort of thing. Um, lots of likes and follows and, and comments over there. Uh, yes, as well yes on, I am an adult on TikTok. Yes, he's a grown man on TikTok. And he has an Instagram account. And then you can find also where to subscribe to this podcast. Of course, this podcast is part of a, a little network that we call I Hate Small Talk because I hate small talk. It's pretty straightforward. Over there, you can find a podcast where I've I've put together. Um, there's actually a couple of different series. We've there got is my, um, the checkup where I I was and I still plan to uh, talk to friends and people uh, that I haven't met yet even about their their day. Uh, you can find this podcast, which was our book of Boba talk. Now that I've said that a thousand times, I can just <laughs> spit it out very easily. <laughs> and you can also go back and re-listen to the Bad Batch talk, uh, where we talked about the Bad Batch weekly. Um, that was a great series. I loved it. Looking forward to season two. Indeed. Do you have anything else to add, William? Nah, man, that's it. I think uh, we've covered it all. Well, uh, let's get out of here. That's it. Uh, what, what, do you, what do we usually round it off with? Oh, I usually say, um, from me and Brenton to you guys, as always, may the force be with you. Always. <laughs>